It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtains of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. A less there is no good Friday in your life. There can be no Russian Sunday. Jesus rose. Amen. We thank God for our young people. That was Brother John Hampton's children, as well as Brother Stephen Mitchell's children. They were not able to make it here today, but they wanted to represent. And so we thought that would be a good way for them to represent. Amen. All right. Let's grab our Bibles in our hands. And before we do that, I'm going to take a short prayer over the word of God. And then we're going to move. So, dear gracious Heavenly Father, bless me as I share the word you've given me. God, open up the ears of the listeners as well as the heart of the listeners. God, touch my mouth and my mind. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. With our Bibles in our hands, would you just repeat after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Risen Savior, feed me on this morning. And if you believe it, go ahead and make some noise again. Amen, 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 amen. All right, so uh, we've been in a kingdom series. And so this is going to be the final installment of the kingdom series. I've enjoyed moving through this. It's been blessing me. If it hasn't been blessing anyone else, it's been blessing me. And so our first uh, lesson or sermon was King of Kings. And then we progress from there to kingdom come. 
And then we progressed from there to There is a King in Me. And Sister Kelly was the one who brought that. And then we did Kingdom Wealth Part 1 and Kingdom Wealth Part 2. And last week for Palm Sunday, we parked at Kingdom Triumph. And so that has been what the series has been thus far. And so today we're going to leave and end the series with this Kingdom Arise. Somebody say kingdom arise. We have been defining kingdom this whole time, and so I won't go back and define kingdom, but one of the things that we've been mentioning that the Webster's Dictionary says it is the rule of God or reign in a future age. And what we've been saying is that we're not waiting for the future age. We are looking for the kingdom to start emerging right now. And so that has been the whole premise of the lessons moving up into this point. And so I want to just give us not a definition of arise, but some synonyms of arise. Some arise synonyms would be come to light, become apparent. So kingdom become apparent. In other words, you're here, but appear, make an appearance, emerge, turn up. I like, I want the kingdom to turn up, come about, surface, spring up. I, I'm, I'm going to move on, but I got to Stop just for a second on that. Turn up. A lot of us, we like to turn up in all kinds of different ways. But we forget you can turn up for the Lord once you understand that the king is on your side. You can go ahead and turn up. I've said it before and I say it again. I'm not against quiet church. I'm not against liturgical church where you do this and do that. All I say is I'm just not that type of preacher. So if you ever come to my church, you are more than welcome to turn up in the service because the kingdom is here right now. And so we want the kingdom to arise or to turn up. All right. And so I want to put this up because I want to do something different because I'm a little bit different and unique by nature. So spoiler alert. Let me say it again. Spoiler alert. Let me. Before I go into it, just say that I'm one of those people that I don't want you to mess up the series for me. And I don't always get the chance to watch stuff when it first comes out. So I get tired of y'all Facebook folk who put the ending already on there. Did you see who died on Snowfall? Shut up. I ain't seen it yet. But what I do like is that when you're reading something and it says spoiler alert. To let you know if you keep on going, you're going to find out what happens. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler a spoiler alert just in case you don't know. He rose. The tomb is empty and he out the ground. He died and he rose. All right, we can all go home. It's over. Well, y'all know that. Y'all, y'all knew that already. And I've been preaching this for years and I don't get tired of preaching. And sometimes when... Easter or resurrection rolls around. I wonder how am I going to say something different that they haven't already heard? And I don't really care that you've already heard it. But this time, I am going to preach it different than I've ever preached it before. What I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to talk about his rising, his death, his burial, and his resurrection without going into any of the scriptures that talk about his actual death burial, and resurrection. In other words, I'm not going to the scriptures about the cross. 
I'm not going to go to the scriptures about the tomb. I'm not going to go to the scripture about Mary Magdalene. I'm not going to go to the scriptures about the nails in his hands and his feet. I'm going to try to preach the death, burial, and the resurrection without going to any of those scriptures. That way, at least y'all try to pay attention to me. And if I don't do a good job, I preached a masterful sermon last year. So go to last year's sermon and you'll at least get what you want to get. And if you don't like it, the young people are coming right after me to carry this on through. They're going to hit the home run. So just hold on with me and humor me as I try to preach it to you in a different way. Somebody say, go, Pastor. All right, so since we've been talking about the kingdom, let's start with the kingdom. Let's start there and let's start with the scripture that Jesus spoke because he was trying to explain what the kingdom is like. All right, Mark 4 and 30. All right, we're going to have to make sure she's unmuted. All right, so what we need to do, we need to unmute her and mute your phones. That'll work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that. Make sure that it's, it's not all muted back there. All the channels were muted at one point. So that, that'll help you get, uh, get it. If not, I'll just read it. Mark 4.30 says this. Parable of the mustard seed. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? So he was trying to figure out how he was going to illustrate the story of the kingdom of God. All right. The next verse, verse 31, it is like a mustard seed planted in the ground if the, it is the smallest of seeds. Verse uh, 32, Mark 4 and 32 says this, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. All right, so I want to put a picture up really quick just so you can see in comparison to the penny, that's what the mustard seed would look like. It's a very tiny seed, but once it is planted, it becomes more than that. And the Bible says the kingdom is like that. So if you say to me, I don't really see the kingdom because the kingdom is small until it's planted. All right, so let's go to another picture. This is the same seed has produced all of that. If you look at the picture, it's in like a desert land. So mustard seed don't need all the special conditions to actually grow. There's so much life in the seed. Even though the seed is small, there's so much potential in it that growth is in there even though you don't know. We're going to go to one more uh, picture and then I'm just going to make a point. And so this is when they don't allow it to just grow wild, when they actually cultivate it. This is a man who's trying to take the sickle and it's in a field full of yellow mustard seed plants that have grown. So the thing I want to say to you when it comes to the kingdom is this. You are much like the kingdom. There is more in you than what you realize. And you've been treated small, and sometimes you think small, but, <clears throat> but what God is trying to share with you and show you is there is more than meets the eye, but the, something has to happen to the seed in order for it to go from the small little pebble 
to what we see right there. Somebody give me an amen. All right, so let's go and let's look at what the king says. So we're going to look at the king. So we talked about the kingdom. Jesus said that. Now we're going to go to the king, and I'm going to try to make it make sense here as soon as possible. John 12, 23 says this. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory. So the king needs to enter into his glory. Verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And so basically Jesus is saying the simple thing that I just showed you is that in order for a seed to be what is inside the seed, the seed actually has to die. I want to bring the verse back up and Mother Mitchell, I want you to read it uh Again, in its entirety, John 12, 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies. And does what? And dies. Okay. It remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. All right, so let me just make it real plain. It's something you all understand. If you just leave the kernel or the seed on the table, all you have for the seed. If you have one seed, you put it on the table, all you have is one seed. You can leave that seed on the table for 50 years. You can leave it in a jar for 50 years and all it will be is one seed. It will be alone. But if you put it in the soil and you force the seed to die, the seed actually becomes much more. It actually produces life, but it first has to die. All right, verse 27. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason I came. Jesus is not at the cross. He's not being nailed. This is several chapters before that and he simply says I'm deeply troubled because what he's trying to get them to understand I'm trying to let you know I'm the seed and you are the kingdom and in order for me to make you grow I got to be the one seed that's going to die but then he says this is the reason that I actually came I didn't come just to do miracles, even though I did miracles. I didn't come just to open blinded eyes, even though I did that. I didn't come just to preach prolific sermons, even though I did that. I actually was born to die. And now we're getting close to the place that I'm supposed to do that. So what I'm trying to get you to understand, I am the seed that's going to have to die. All right, verse 31. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Mm, the time for judging is coming. So actually, I'm not just going to die, but in the process of me dying, I actually am going to overthrow the current government, which is satanic and demonic. And so what he was trying to let them know, I'm getting ready to do a bad 
take over, but it's not going to look like you think it's going to look like. Because they wanted him to just uh, just show up and show out. And he's like, I'm going to do all that, but first I got to die because I'm just a little seed. He was actually letting them know. We're going to continue to read verse 32. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. King James says, I will draw all men to myself. And so here's something that you need to understand, and I'll I'll help paint the picture for you, that when Jesus actually was nailed to the cross, he wasn't nailed to the cross like that. They didn't nail him to the cross sticking up there. I'll talk about how they nailed him after we read this other verse. We're going to read one more verse. Verse 33. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. All right. So when he said, if I be lifted up, he was indicating how he was going to die. But also when he was talking about the little tiny seed, he was also indicating how he was going to die. He was telling them how he had to die. In other words, what he was saying, it can't be no other way than this. They didn't really catch it. But he would let him know that can be no other way than this. I want to put up a, a, a scripture real quick. So it says this, Jesus is nailed to the cross. A little blurry, but what it shows is that he was actually nailed on the ground. Because that's how they did it in the crucifixion. That's how the Romans did it. The crucifixion was actually a masterful way of killing people. It was one of the most masterful ways of executing a person because what they would do, they would nail them while they were on the ground after they had beaten them and done all the other things. And if we know the story, crown of thorns on his head, beat on his back, they beat them to they, they were uh, really without a whole lot of energy. And then they would make them bear the cross. They would put it on their back. And then normally the person would just buckle under the weight of the cross. Then they would roll them over and then they would nail them to the cross. But then what they would do, they would get ropes on each side and they would take, then they would hoist the cross up because the cross was too heavy for humans to push it up. So they would actually raise them up. And so what Jesus said, he said, when I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. I'll draw Everyone under me. And somebody said, well, Jesus lied because everyone didn't come unto him. But that's not what he was actually saying. I won't go all the way into it because it takes some deeper study I don't have time for. But basically what he was saying is, if I be lifted up, if I become the seed that has to die and I get lifted up, I'm going to actually draw everyone's sin unto me. In other words, I'm the seed that has to die, and the reason why it has to die is because of sin. But what I need you to do, I need you to lift me up and raise me up and stretch me wide so I can bleed. But what I'm doing when I'm bleeding, I'm drawing all men unto me, not the actual men, but their sins, their issues, their troubles, their mess-ups, their hang-ups. I want you to draw it under me so when you lift me up. Things are being pulled to me. In other words, what he was saying is I'm the biggest magnet in the entire world. But I'm a magnet for sin and sin only. And so when you lift me up, I'm going to start pulling sin. Sins that had not even been committed yet. I'm going to start pulling them all, but I'm putting them all inside the seed. Because I am not just that I have to be lifted up, 
but I am also the seed. So let's move really quick. Into, uh, I got five points. So this is point number one. Somebody say point number one. Somebody say, hurry up, pastor. I don't, don't say that. Y'all didn't have to do that. Just kidding. All right. Number one, the kingdom came when Jesus, the king was born. We've already talked about that in this series. So the moment he was born, the kingdom came because he was the king. So when he was in the manger in swaddling clothes, the kingdom came because the king came. Nobody really recognized it because he didn't come with a whole lot of fanfare. He didn't come with a whole lot of stuff. We're not, they, they trying to hurry me up. I don't want point two yet. He, he didn't come with a whole lot of fanfare. He didn't come uh, down the red carpet. He didn't come on Air Force One. He came in a manger. But the shepherd saw something in the sky. And it lined up with prophecy. And he was basically saying, the king is here. But the king didn't come like you would have thought he would come. Because the king knew he had to be the seed. He had to be the minuscule thing. Yes, he was amazing. Yes, he was awesome. But he actually had to diminish himself because he was working on something. All right, so let's go to point number two. The kingdom couldn't arise until Jesus the king became the seed that would die. I condense everything I've talked to you about up until this point into one point. He had to become the seed that would die. When God, when they, he said, raise me up, if I be lifted up, he was going to draw everything. He drew all the sin to himself and he pulled that all into him and became the seed. Somebody say he became the seed. All right, Genesis 3.15, read this. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. If you go all the way back to the beginning of time, Genesis 1, you see all the stuff God created. Genesis 2, you see the humans coming. And then Genesis 3, we see people messing up. We see the fall of man. We see the serpent. We see all this kind of stuff. And then God begins to give out punishments. He begins to say, listen, the world's going to flip. It's going to change on you. It, it, you're going to have to start working. If you if you don't want to go to work tomorrow morning, don't get mad at God. Get mad at Adam and Eve. It was them. Them the ones who caused us to have the issues that we have. Now, they did work before, but it wasn't the kind of sweat work that we have to do now. It wasn't the sweat equity. That was because of the fall. That was because of sin. So God begins to give out punishments. But when it came to the serpent, he said, I need to let you know something, serpent. And so put it back up uh, really quick. I'm going to go ahead and point out something real quick. He says, I'm going to put an enemy between you and the woman, between your seed and her. What I want to point out here in this version of the scripture, it capitalizes seed. It has seed uh, uncapitalized in the lowercase, and then it capitalized the big seed. So it's actually talking about Jesus the seed, in other words, the seed of all seeds. He is actually going to bruise your head. He's going to stomp on your head, devil. He's going to crush your head, devil. He's going to wear your head out, devil. But first, he got to be the seed. In other words, because he's a seed, and I showed you what a mustard seed looks like, because he's a seed, he's going to come through unrecognizable. 
you got not going to really notice him until it's too late. But we see him in Matthew, but that's not the first time he showed up. He was actually in Genesis. He was actually in Exodus. He was actually in Leviticus, all the way down, all the way down to Malachi. He was there the whole time, but he was the seed. He was small. And I'm here to let you know something. Let me pause parenthetically and throw this in on you. When you was getting high, he was still the seed. When you was messing up, he was still the seed. When you was losing your mind, he was still the seed. And you didn't see him, and the devil didn't see him. But he was finding his way into your life because he became the seed that would crush Satan. He is the seed of all seeds. He is what he is. But sometimes he goes unnoticed. He travels the back roads. He travels the low roads. But when he shows up, he shows out. When he makes his appearance, he makes his appearance. When he shows up with his arrival, he shows up and he arrives. When he shows up, the party can't start till he get there. But he comes small. So sometimes you don't see him. Your business is struggling, but the seed is on the way. Your marriage is rough, but the seed is on the way. Your depression is high, but the seed is on the way. Your health is failing, but the seed is on the way. The government is messed up, but the seed is on the way. Folk are dying left and right, but the seed is on the way. He is the seed, but you can't always S-E-E the seed. Can't always see him. All right. I'm trying to go somewhere. Let, let me let me move and do something that I had to get help to do because I don't really remember it in school. But bring this uh, title up. We got to pause and go here real quick. Bring this up. Seed germination. I don't remember how a seed become a plant. So I had to look it up. But that word germination just got in my head. I couldn't let it go. And I'm like, God, I'm supposed to be preaching about the resurrection. And here I'm looking up plants and seeds. And I'm wondering, have I lost my mind? But God was letting me know I got something if you would just work with it. So help me help you and show you how the seed became everything I'm telling you. So let's put this first picture up on the screen. What do seeds need to germinate and grow? What do they need? In other words, to become the plant, what do they need? They need, number one, they need soil. Number two, they need air. Number three, they need sunlight. And number four, they need water. Well, when he died, they put his body in the ground, and the ground is the soil. Well, well, pastor, okay, that's the soil, but what about the air? The Bible says that God breathed in man the breath of life. And so he was the breath of life. And so when he went into the soil, he was the soil and he was air. Well, what about the sunlight, pastor? Well, he is the sun. He is the S-O-N who commands and controls the S-U-N. So he was the light. The Bible says in him was light and the light was life. And so when he went into the ground, he also was the air and he also was the sunlight. But that leaves me with one I can't figure out. How are we going to get the water though? Brother Tommy, how are we going to get the water? Go ahead and put the camera on me. Let me ask the, the folk out there, how are we going to get the water? I don't know where the water comes from, but then I did find out that he hung, bled, and died. See, because he was the seed of all seeds, his seed didn't grow through water. His seed grew through blood. 
And so every place they beat him and every place that the blood ran out, it was blood that was actually nourishing the seed. And so when they put him in the ground, when they put him in the soil, when they put him in the tomb and he was the soil and he was the air and he was the sunlight and he was the water because of the blood, then we know that something began to grow. In other words, so he didn't die to stay dead. He actually died to grow. All right, let, let, let's move a little further. Let's, let's get a little deeper because that's pretty a poor way to do it if I was a scientist. And so let me see if I can do it just a little better. So here on the far left, the very uh, first thing you see is the uh, a dark sea all colored in. And then it goes and it says embryo. What's very interesting is the germination of a seed and the gestation of a baby is very similar. And so We've got this dark seed, and then it becomes an embryo, and then it says something about a seed coat. Then it's the cotyledon. I don't know what all that stuff means. And then it's a, a root, and then at the end it says shoot and roots. So I'm just going to put that up there for us to look at. Now go ahead and take it down. That's exactly what I did when I was looking at it. I was like, God, I know you don't want me to talk about this. I looked at it. I looked at it. and I was like, it just... It ain't really coming together for me. And so I just took it down. It was like, maybe I'm going to leave the germination stuff out of the, the sermon. I'm going to go to something else. But it just wouldn't let me go, Mother Rankin. So I'm going to bring it back up one more time. And then I'm going to show you what I saw. And I was like, okay, God, you, you better than what I thought you was. You bad boy. So let me go ahead and show you what I saw. Put, it, put the, that same picture back up. So that first portion of the seed is all colored in brown. It's all sealed. When he was in the tomb, they rolled the stone and they closed the stone and they covered the tomb and all he was, he was sealed in the tomb. But then it says something about the embryo. So in other words, somehow what is inside the seed or what was inside the tomb started to get out the tomb. But when it got out the tomb, it didn't go up first. Look what it did first. Let's go back to the picture. It first goes down. And when it starts going down, the picture shows that the seed coat starts opening up. So the Bible says that when he got buried and they put him in the tomb, he actually went down first into hell. He went deep before he went up. But that's what a seed actually does. But the moment you begin to go down, the outer layer of the seed starts opening up. All right, let's let's go to the next uh, thing. Same picture, but we're going to go to the next portion. The same picture. Let's go back to the same picture. So then it talks about the cotyledon. But then next thing you know, you see that the thing starts rising up. In the it would be the second to the last. Uh, uh, picture on here you see that it rises up but you see that there is no outer seed no more in other words the outer shell has now been broken and something is sprouting up maybe that's why when they came to the tomb the stone had been rolled away and they didn't know who rolled the stone away but Jesus was the seed 
And when he got down in the soil and he got buried in the soil and he went down into hell and began to preach a revolution in hell and to mess the devil up in hell, then the stone couldn't stay shut up. The tomb couldn't stay sealed up because he was the seed and it started opening up. And guess what? He started coming up the ground because he was the seed and when you put the seed in the right soil with the air and the sunlight and the water which was his blood that tomb could not hold him that tomb had to open up it didn't have a choice because something the thing that was inside the seed which was the kingdom was breaking free all right the last the 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 last portion of that same picture then it says shoot and roots. So once his roots went down, then his shoots could go up. All right, now we're going to go to the next picture. So this was, I looked up seed germination for kids. And this is what they showed. They showed the same thing. They showed the, the hard shell. Then they showed the opening up. But when you get to the last picture, don't it remind you of the cross? So now I'm beginning to understand that the cross is not just a sign of his death. You can go ahead and, and come back uh, on me. The cross is not just a sign of his death. The cross is the sign that he was the seed that first went down. And after he went down, he came up. But when he came up, everything had to open up and he began to shoot up. And so when you see that cross stressed out, it's to let you know there's life. Yes, the cross represents death, but it also represents life. It represents that there was nothing that could hold the seed down. The seed had to come up with power with anointing with resurrection with healing with joy because he didn't die to stay dead he didn't die to stay down he died to rise all right let's let's go to point number three only two more points to go point number three the kingdom allowed jesus the king to become captured and killed by satan so the very one who caused sin to come was also helping the kingdom arise, but was too dumb to know it. So he was the seed. He told them, I got to die. In other words, I got to go into the ground. And then when they lift me up, I'm going to draw all men under me. He said it to his disciples. His disciples didn't catch it, but his enemy didn't catch it either. So the devil was doing stuff to get him captured. The devil was doing stuff to mess with him. And what's so funny about it is to poke fun at him, they wrote king of the Jews on top of his inscription. They was trying to laugh at him, but they was actually falling right in line with the plan of God. And without me even going to the scriptures that tell you, I'm showing you that they didn't know what they was doing. They was actually falling right in. You know, you ever watched a movie where it looks like a person got double crossed? They thought they was on top? Or let me say it to you like this. You're watching a movie and you see one person and it looks like it's going this way and then and there's a plot twist. Well, let me let you know, the devil did not know there was a plot twist to the death of Jesus. He thought when he put him on the cross, that was it. But baby, look at your neighbor and say, plot twist, plot twist. 
Oh, God, God had something. Here's the problem. Some of y'all don't stay to the end of the movie. You get up and go for popcorn at the wrong time. You, you went to the bathroom at the wrong time. The disciples thought it was over, but they went to the bathroom at the wrong time. There was a plot twist coming and didn't nobody know it but God. Let me give you another a verse to help with that. First Corinthians 2 and 8. Would you read that? None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Nobody saw the script. Nobody saw the screenplay. Nobody had read the book. And if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. They never, what they would have done, like I told you with the seed, they would have left the seed on the table. But the simple fact that they put him to death, the simple fact that he was innocent and they condemned him to death, the simple fact that folk yelled, crucify him, crucify him. That was the best thing they could have done because if they had have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But let's look at the next verse, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God have prepared for them that love him. All my life I've heard this scripture preached and it always is talking about the future and good things happen. I have not seen an ear have not heard. That's beautiful. But the full context of the scripture is not what's going to happen to you in the future. The full context of the scripture is that the enemy's eye will not see and the enemy's ear will not hear. Here's the thing. You're blessed and the enemy don't even know how you got blessed because he was trying to mess you over. But I couldn't see what God was doing. Ear couldn't hear what God was doing because he hid it in a seed. He hid it in a plot twist. He hid it in a shakeup. He hid it in a turnaround. He hid it in a way. He hid it in a crossover. You know, you, you, I'm not that good at basketball, but I do know a crossover when I see one. A good crossover is you go in one direction. And as soon as the enemy bites in one direction, you cross over to the other direction. And if you ever watch football, they have what they call a misdirection play. They set the whole line up to look like we're going this way. And then they go this way and they turn and they hand the ball off that way. And they run in the other direction. And sometimes even the cameraman is confused. And let me tell you, the devil is confused. I thought he was going this way. I thought I had him addicted. I thought I had him broken up. I, I thought I had him lost. I, I thought their marriage was over. I thought their life was over. But they're better now than they've ever been. In 2020, I thought the pandemic was going to take them out. But somehow they bounced bit back bigger and better. I don't know what happened. Baby, it was a misdirection. It was a crossover. And had you known it, you would have messed it up. So I couldn't see it. An ear couldn't hear it. But because my people loved me, I had hidden it. In the story. Somebody said it was hidden in the story. All right, almost done. Point number four. With the king, he got up. The whole kingdom got up. Now the kingdom can arise in you and me. And so what we first heard when we first talked about the kingdom, it said the kingdom is like a seed that 
goes into the ground like a mustard seed and then it grows. It was a little seed and then the next thing you know it has one sprout but then it sprouts a whole crop, a whole harvest. Go ahead and change the camera and crop stalk. The whole harvest shows up off of one seed. So when the king got up, the whole kingdom got up. But just like the seed, you couldn't see it at first. You couldn't tell it at first. So let's look at the scripture. Let's look at Isaiah 60 and 1. This is going back to an Old Testament prophecy. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Oh, before he died, he had already prophesied there's going to come a time where there's going to be an arise, and there's going to be a shine because the light is going to come and the glory of the Lord is going to rise upon thee. And when Jesus said, I got to go into my glory, he wasn't just talking about his glory. He was talking about our glory because we were going to shine like the shining sea. We were going to rise up like the sun. We we're going to rise up like the stars. But first, I got to do the hard work. I got to do the dirty work. I got to close. But let me say it to you like this. Some parents, you understand this. You want your children to go further than you ever went. So you make some sacrifices not for you. You make some sacrifices for them. And people wonder why you working so hard? Why you doing this? It ain't for me. It's for the folk coming behind me. So I'm working overtime not for me, but for them. I'm working in a factory so they'll never have to work in a factory. I'm working in a factory so they can go to college. I'm laying my life down so they can go. But baby, where do you think you got it from? You got it from the seed that said, let me die first. But if I come up out of the ground, the whole kingdom is coming up. It may not look like it. But we coming up. Let me tell you, black people, I know I got more than black people in the building. But when your ancestors was picking cotton, the kingdom was still arising. They didn't know it. The slaves couldn't see it. But something was coming up out of them. We're rising again. We're going again. Why? Because the seed sacrifice so we can rise. Somebody say arise, arise. Isaiah 60 and 2. This is the uh, last verse. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Wait, wait, wait a second. So maybe all we've been going through is a part of the plot twist. Let me just talk about Muncie. Folk are dying that we didn't expect to die. Of course people die, but we've been in a season of death that seems uncanny. Every time you turn around, it's another death. And it seems like Muncie is just getting darker and darker and darker. And some people think, well, let me, let me move. Let me move to Atlanta. But you go to Atlanta and it's dark there. You go to Vegas and it's Sin City there. And you start figuring out it's not where I go. It's the state of the universe. Everything's getting dark. So it looks like we're losing, but what God says, the only way people will really know the light is if it gets dark enough. See, I got a flashlight on this phone, and I'll put my flashlight on this phone. It's not going to make a big difference because it's too light in here. It's too light outside, but let it be pitch black. You'll thank God for the light. And let me tell you something right now. Folk are laughing at the church. 
and folk are laughing at you because you go to church and you give money to church and they talk about you. Here you are celebrating Easter. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. But baby, when it get dark enough, they won't laugh no longer because they're going to have to come to the light. And the light about to shine. So don't worry that it's getting darker. Your light about to shine. And let me let you know something about mosquitoes. They're always drawn to the light. Why you got so many haters? Bugs are always drawn to the light. Why folk talking about me? Folk are always drawn to the light. Don't worry. Just let the seed rise up in you. And let the light shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Last point. Point number five. From from here on, the kid's going to do the preaching. So this is the last point, the final point. And so I have. I preached the whole uh, death, burial, and resurrection without going to any of those scriptures. So here's the thing. We're just going to declare this together. Let me say it first, and then we'll declare it. Get thee up, kingdom. Get up in me. Somebody say that with me. Get thee up, kingdom. Get thee up, kingdom. Get up in me. Get up in me. Get thee up, kingdom. Get up in me. All right, I, I said that's that's it, and so I am closing, but let me just go ahead and paraphrase it for you. Basically, what you're saying is royalty, rise up in me. Power, rise up in me. Intelligence, rise up in me. Beauty, rise up in me. Foolishness, you got to die. But when the foolishness dies, wisdom rise up in me. Love rise up in me. Peace rise up in me. Joy rise up in me. Sanctification rise up in me. You might mess around and you might see me next week. And I may be looking different than I did the last time you saw me. Don't be thinking funny. Something is rising up in me. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the seed that became the the, the sacrifice that went into the soil. And it's rising and it's shining in you and it's shining in me. Somebody say amen for the word of God. Now they're going to set up. I'm going to go off stage. They're going to set up and our young people are going to carry the rest of the service. And then I'll come back in to do our final prayer. And just as I'm going, somebody say it again, rise up in me. All right. At Little Gems, we have been learning affirmations. So Sharia is going to tell you a few of her affirmations. All right, Sharia, you ready? All right, tell them your affirmations. I am strong. I am beautiful. I love you all. I love you. I'm a child of God. Perfect. Next, we have Jamarion. I am. <laughs> All right, can you tell them your affirmations? I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. I am all I can be. Today is going to be an amazing day.
Next is Junior. Perfect. Junior, can you tell him your affirmations? I am. I, I am strong. I am beautiful. I, I am a child of God. I am coming all I can be. I am, I am um, confident. Perfect. <laughs> Next we have Jaylee and her dad, Victor. Please, please. 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 Easter blessing. All right, can we give her a hand? Next we have a more. Jesus died so that we can live. Perfect. Amen. Next we have Malachi. Easter is a fresh start, a clean heart, a forgiven path, true love that lasts. Amen. Next is Serenity. J is for Jesus, E is for Easter, S is for... Can we help her out? Salvation. Salvation. U is for undying love, and S is for sins forgiven. Amen. Next we have Jasani. I am Jasani Nan. I am black excellence. I am intelligent. I can be whatever I want to be. I can achieve many great things. I know that knowledge is power and that knowledge of self produces love for self. I am made in the image and likeness of God. I am black excellence. Amen. <laughs> Next we have Ava. I wrote a poem called The True Meaning of Easter. Easter isn't about bunnies or eggs. It isn't about candy treats or hopping on two legs. It's about the man who died for us all and rose from the grave to answer our call. Jesus came to save us from our sins, to to forgive, to offer forgiveness and let new life in. He suffered and bled. His body was broken, but he rose again. His love was spoken. Easter isn't a story we tell. It's a promise we know so well. That death has no hold and love can overcome. That in Jesus we are never alone. So let's remember this Easter day that Jesus is the truth, the life, the way. He's the reason we sing and celebrate. He's the reason that we celebrate and sing and the hope that makes our hearts stay free. So let's set aside the bunnies and eggs and focus on the one who begs. To come in our heart and make us whole, to give us life and hear our soul. Amen. Next we have Amari. Easter blessings, Easter bunnies, eggs so bright, springtime brings renewed delight. Bursting blooms and chirping birds, joyful songs in every word. From cross to empty tomb, Christ has risen, dispelled the gloom. 
Hope and love forevermore. Easter blessings we adore. Amen. And last we have Alana. I lived in heaven a long time ago and it's true. Lived there and loved there with people I knew, so did you. Jesus was chosen and as the Messiah he came. Conquering evil and death through his glorious name. Living a life yet to be. Home in the heavens where Father is waiting for me. All right, amen. Mommy, what is a burden? Well, a burden is a heavy load, something that can weigh you down, something that just makes you sometimes worried, sometimes sad. Um, but we don't have to carry our burdens. We can give them to God. According to the scripture, Matthew, excuse me, Psalms 55, 22, cast all your burdens unto the Lord and he will sustain you. So you don't have to keep anything. You don't have to keep any care or worry. You give it to God, okay? Thanks, Mom. Amen. We lay our burdens down for the one who raised up. And what I loved about it is one of them tried to pick their burden back up, and they were told, no, leave your burdens there. So we thank God for the youth department. Man, Sister Bonetta, Sister uh, Anitra, all the people that help, all the parents that help, we thank God for that. So let's bow our heads. And we will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for being that seed that broke through, that made the kingdom arise, God. And since we are kingdom people now, all the burdens that we picked up under the satanic kingdom, we can bring them here and we can lay them at the feet of the cross because your blood, it paid for that too. And God, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And let everybody say... Amen. God bless you all. Thank you.